This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, when you looked at the stop and study learner, you could see that whatever they had observed in that painting was slowly percolating down through their mind. And they were looking for what feelings the painter had, and they were trying to figure out what the painter was trying to convey. They were on the hunt for the message that the painter was trying to send, and they were asking themselves, why did the painter choose those colors, and why they chose the painter chose that background and those shades, and how all those played together to create this feeling or this message painter intended. So those were the two types of uh, people who came to the art museums of Europe, or still come to the art museums, the checklist tourist and the stop and study learner. Well, these parables are like paintings in God's museum. The painter is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's painted these masterpieces for us. Christ is the painter. Each word he has chosen to use in these parables is like a paint stroke that he leaves a mark on the canvas with. And now that leaves us a choice as to what we want to be. We can be the checklist tourist who sees these beautiful parable paintings here, or we can be the stop and study learner with these parable paintings. So the checklist tourist with the parables, he will check the parables off like paintings, a checklist, checklist. I read that parable, yep, check, about the sower and seed. I memorized it, yep, check. I memorized the parable, I know where it's found, I know the address, you know. And that's a checklist tourist, and he's very happy with that level of knowledge of the parables, just to know them, that where they can be found in the Bible, but nothing more. Nothing of stopping to see how the parable speaks personally, and that's a checklist tourist with the parables. Now, then there's the stop and study learner, 
of the parables, he stops. He's not happy with just to know what the parable says. He's not happy just to memorize the parables. He knows that there's something much more in the parables than what's on the surface. He knows that the parables have a message for him, a hidden message, and he's got to dig it out. And he knows that all he's got to do is just stop, spend time studying the parable, probing it, mulling on it, meditating on it, thinking about it. We want to be those people. We want to be the stop and study learners of the parables. We don't want to be the checklist tourist with these parables. So here we are. We're going to sit down in front of this parable for a long time. That's why we're only doing this one verse. And we're going to see in this parable of the man who finds the treasure in the field that, we're, first of all, we're going to see there is a treasure hid in a field. That's interesting. Second, we're going to see that this man is a treasure hunter. You don't just have me be walking in the field. No, he's on our mission. Third, we're going to see that this man hunts for treasures all alone. No one else is with him. And fourth, we're going to see that this man hunts for treasures on other people's properties. He's got a lot of chutzpah. And then we're going to see that this man is, he knows what he's looking for, and he knows the value when he finds it. And then we're going to see how this man's a man of action, big action. He knows what he wants. He's willing to give up everything in order to get what he wants. No second thoughts or hesitations. And so this is the picture that the Lord has painted for us with his brush in hand. It's a, wow, what a great picture. What a remarkable man. How fortunate we are to be able to, to go to this museum. Look at this. Okay, now, the Lord has painted for us a picture of a field and we can see in the picture that there is a treasure hid in the field. Verse 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Treasure hid in a field, it was of great value. It was a prize, as valuable a prize as the key to heaven itself. An eternity of happiness and peace and comfort and joy. What could be better than that? What's a better prize than that? But it's not out in the open in this field, it's hidden, it's waiting to be found, everybody would like to find it, but the treasure has not been accidentally hidden, it's been purposefully hidden, like the afikomen during the Passover Seder dinner. There is this matzatash, the matzah pocket, that has three pieces of matzah in it, three slots, each slot has a matzah in it, and they're all unbroken, and that represents the three persons of the Godhead, the person of God the Father, the person of God the Son, the person of God the Holy Spirit. And at one point during the Seder dinner, the matzah, the middle matzah, is removed, separated from the other two pieces of matzah. That represents God the Son. And that piece of matzah is broken, is broken, representing the Lord Jesus at the Last Supper. People call it the Last Supper, it was actually the last Passover. Better to call it the last Passover. I don't like to call it the last supper because I like supper and I don't want there to be a last supper. But, <laughs> but I like it to be the last Passover. No, it is the last Passover because not only was it the last Passover for him, it was the last Passover for man because the next morning he would be crucified as the Passover lamb of God. And that was the last Passover. And then that broken piece of matzah that's removed from the other two is then hidden, put another little napkin, hidden and searched later by the children 
And the child that finds that, so-called afikomen, afikomen, it's Greek, means he comes, receives a prize. Now, not everyone finds the afikomen. Only one child finds the afikomen. And that afikomen is the treasure that's hidden in the field. The afikomen represents God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that treasure that's hidden in the field in verse 44 represents the Lord Jesus himself. He is he is the all-wisdom and knowledge treasure, as it says in Colossians 2.3. Colossians 2.3. In Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is the treasure. He is the all-the-fullness-of-God treasure. It says in Colossians 1.19. Colossians 1.19. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. He's the key to heaven treasure. Key to heaven, John 14.6. John 14.6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 10, 9, John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall find pasture. And it said about him in the great sermon there in Acts 4, 10, Acts 4, 10, and 12, that it was the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and they said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus Christ is the treasure in the field. And this great treasure, according to verse 44, is the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. How strange that the treasure of Jesus Christ should be hid, but the decision to hide the treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ was taken by or made by God the Father. Luke 10, 21, Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Father is, but no one who the Son is, but the Father, and who the Father is, but the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So the decision to hide the treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ was made by God the Father. He decided to hide the Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, God hid the Lord Jesus Christ from a group, as it says there, we just read there in Luke a group called the wise and prudent. The Greek word for wise, for wise and prudent, is the word sophos, sophos, from which we get our name, our word sophisticated, sophisticated. The Greek word for the word wise is, it means sophisticated. And the Greek word for the word prudent literally means someone who has put it all together, someone who's got it all together. He feels that he has all the knowledge, and it's the same word as used for the intelligent. These are the sophisticated, intelligent people who feel that they have it all together, they have all the answers. That's the description of the wise and prudent or the proud and arrogant. And God says about that spirit of pride in 1 Peter 5, 5, 1 Peter 5, 5, God resisteth the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God resists the proud, which means that God will have nothing to do with a person who's proud and arrogant. God will put his hand in the chest of a proud man who's trying to get to God. God resists that man. 
To the proud and arrogant, God has hid the treasure of the Lord Jesus in the field, in a field. In a field, what kind of field? He's hid the treasure, God the Father has hid the treasure in a field of a particular city, a city. The the field where the treasure of Jesus Christ was hid was in the field of the city of Nazareth, Nazareth, which the proud would never go searching for the Messiah in. God the Father hid Jesus Christ in the field of the city of Nazareth because the feeling and the opinion about the field of the city of Nazareth was John 146, John 146. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? That field where the Lord Jesus Christ was hid by God the Father was a field of a poor family, a poor family, a family of Mary and Joseph the carpenter, where the proud would never go searching in that field for the Messiah. And that's exactly where God the Father hid the Messiah in the field of a poor family, Matthew 13, 54, Matthew 13, 54. When he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judah and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things, and they were offended in him. Why were they offended? Because of his poor family. And that's exactly where God hid the treasure in the field of his poor family. And today, God the Father has hid the treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ in the field of Christianity, a very offensive word among Jewish people. Christianity as a religion with crosses. Some of them are burning down there in the south where the proud would never go looking for the Messiah. He is the treasure hid in the field of Christianity. The Lord Jesus is the treasure that God the Father hid in the field, not in Jerusalem, but down in the look-down city of Nazareth. He is the treasure that God the Father hid, not in a well-respected, elevated family, but in a poor family. He is the treasure that God the Father hid, not in Judaism, but in Christianity that is seen as the religion of the anti-Semitic Lutheran Nazis and the Pope during the Holocaust. And that's how the Lord Jesus Christ was hid in the field by God the Father. Just like water in the desert is hid under the ground where it takes a well and it takes faith to drop a bucket down a dark hole that you can't see to get that water that cannot be seen. And when the bucket is dropped into that dark hole of the well because the person has faith that he won't be disappointed that when he pulls the bucket up, it's not gonna be empty. It'll have water in it, even though the water is hidden in the earth. And that's what God said would happen to Israel in Isaiah 12.2, Isaiah 12.2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And even today, the Lord Jesus is hidden, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.14, 2 Corinthians 3.14, their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, 
When it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But the blindness, the blindness is not on all. The Lord Jesus Christ is not hidden to all. There is this man who found the treasure. Because when a person does turn to the Lord, the blindness is taken away. And the blindness today is not a complete blindness on Israel because it says in Romans 11.25, Romans 11.25, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The blindness today is only in part, not a total one. And what God the Father did was to hide the Lord Jesus Christ as a treasure in the field of a poor hometown, an unknown family within a religion of Christianity. But while God the Father was hiding the Lord Jesus from the proud and arrogant, the Father was also busy revealing the Lord Jesus to the humble, as it says in, as it says in Luke 10, 21, Luke 10, 21, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes, for so it seemed good in thy sight. So the Lord Jesus Christ is hidden in the field. He's like a secret. Who the Lord Jesus Christ is is a secret. And God tells that the secret is to those, will be revealed to those who fear God, who fear God in Psalm 25, 14. Psalm 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. This is what happened to Peter. Peter had this experience when he realized, oh my, he's God. And he said in Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15, he saith unto him, Jesus, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, God the son. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So what the Lord Jesus said to Peter at that time was, Peter, congratulations, you found the treasure hid in the field. Congratulations, Peter, you are the child that found the Afikoman. Now, when God reveals the secret to the humble, there's such a dramatic change that happens to a person that all of a sudden he's reading the Bible and in the past, he, what he was reading, he feels like he, was, he couldn't hear, couldn't hear anything being spoken to him. It was like a deaf person that could not hear the words of the book. And the change is so dramatic that when he finds the treasure hid in the field, that he, he feels as though in the past he was like in darkness and couldn't see, was blind in a person living in darkness. But then he gets sight and he wants to sing, oh, happy day. And all of this is expressed in Isaiah 29, 18. Isaiah 29, 18, where it says, and in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among them shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. And all they want to do is sing, oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. But this hearing of the words of the Bible, this seeing of Jesus Christ as God and as the Lamb of God, it's hid from the sophisticated person, like the sophisticated person who wrote me a letter this last week, which says, Dear Mr. Cantor, I received your book entitled Changed, and it left me with a few questions. 
Naturally, matters of creation and the hereafter are matters of faith and subject to everyone's best guess. However, your mention of the scriptures brings to mind a quote from Pope Leo X, 1513 to 1521, which is, it has served us well, this myth of Christ. You might do well to revere Pope Leo X as a contribution to the church. Could be a university lecturer there. <laughs> exactly a sophisticated person that God the Father hides from him the treasure in the field of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. But he says, in contrast, that he reveals it to babes. He reveals it to babes. And he reveals it to babes because they are the ones who find the treasure in the field, and that's why the Lord Jesus said in Mark 10, 15, Mark 10, 15, verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Only a person who's like a little child will find the treasure in the field, and that's why the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, Matthew 18, 3, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only people who are like little children, they're the only ones who find the hidden treasure in the field. And then they find that, that treasure there, that God says, okay, now you found the treasure, you as a group, you as a church, you found the treasure, now look at yourselves. Look at yourselves in 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 Corinthians 1.26, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. That's what God says about us. To confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world, things that are despised. That's how God has chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory or brag or boast in his presence. And when Peter looks at newborn, those who have just been born again, he calls them newborn babes in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. You may grow thereby. Okay, now, there's one word in verse 44 that tells us, that tells us something very interesting about this man, and it is, it says there in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hidden a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy thereof. He found it, that's the word, found. That man found that treasure because that man was looking for that treasure. He's a treasure hunter. He's not in the field to relax. He's not looking for a nice shady tree with a nice breeze so he can sit down there and have a nice afternoon snooze. He's a hardworking treasure hunter. And this is what the person looks like who finds God. No one finds God like going to a movie theater. You know, you go to a movie theater, you go buy the popcorn, you buy the drink, you sit in the very comfortable chair with the cup holder, and you enjoy the movie. No one settles into an easy chair in life and sits back and waits for God to come to him. The way a person finds God is Luke 13, 24. Luke 13, 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and not be able. 1 Corinthians 9.24, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Not walk, stroll, but run. And so when we look at this scene here that the Lord Jesus has painted for us, we see that, that um, again, that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden in a field, which when 
a man hath found. It's singling out a single person. Now what we see is a man, just one man in this picture. There's no one else with this man. And we're struck by the fact he's alone. He's all alone. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.